Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Rabbit Weasel Podcast. It is the Halloween season. It is October. So we are starting our uh, Halloween special. What we're going to be doing, like last year, we'll have, we're going to try to have one episode out every weekend. So that should be five episodes over the course of the next five weeks. And we're starting off with House of a Thousand Corpses. So this is, hey, everybody, this is episode 30. We made it 30 episodes. Yay, yeah, we've been recording. We didn't do like a one year anniversary thing. I realized we've been recording over a year now. Kind of stuck up on yeah, us. Right. You know, I was thinking Jared, when we were uh, just like flashbacks on different recording when we just first moved to Washington and we, and we were staying in the uh, like apartment condo slash place. And like I was like sitting on the side of the road in the car. <laughs> And having it on the laptop and Mia was inside. We like just got to Washington and uh, we were just a few episodes in. So, which is hard to believe. It feels like we just started doing it. Yeah. We're slightly more professional now. I think uh, you guys have a microphone. We do have a uh, microphone now though. That's right. Yeah, I need to get. <laughs> so are you uh, excited for Halloween over there? It's, yes. I guess it's getting cold. Yeah, it is getting cold here, and we moved, as you know, into the city, and what I don't know, where we live now, do you think we'll have trick-or-treaters? Not likely. There you go. Oh. I didn't know if we would have them or not. <laughs> uh, it's, uh. The setup we have, I'm kind of interested to see what they do. I think maybe <laughs> up the street uh, where we met uh, people doing their night outs on the Seattle night out, I bet some of those are doing some trick-or-treating. That could be possible. I hope we have I'm sure you can find do something think, to do. Are you going to have trick-or-treaters, do you think, on your hall? Uh, or whatever floor I you live on floor 11, and you have to have a key thing to get up the elevator. <laughs> so uh, no. No trick-or-treating is <laughs> not as big, uh, or Halloween's not as big in general here. You know, they have their own stuff. There, there's some places you can go, but uh, it's not a big thing. So that's a little sad, but uh still have my, my movies, so... Yeah, so five movies in a <laughs> five movies in a month. It's going to be a challenge, not to watch, but to record them all. And what did we do last year? Uh, I think we did. If anybody wants to go look them up, we did Trick or Treat, Halloween, uh, Night of the Demons. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what am I forgetting? I know we did the one where we talked about Halloween memories, and there was one. More, oh yeah, we did Halloween. Did I say that one already? Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Anyway, so let's get to this one. Uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. So this is a lot of people, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know this movie. This is uh, the directorial debut of Rob Zombie. Um, the first feature length film, at least. I mean, he'd been directing his music videos and stuff like that beforehand. It was made in 2000 for Universal Studios, but they shelved it because they didn't think they could get an R rating. Uh, Reasonable suspicion, I think. But so it wasn't until April of 2003 when he was finally able to find somebody to put the movie out. And that was Lionsgate Entertainment. So this was one of the first films in the so-called... you know, torture porn genre is what it, a lot of people started referring to these kind of movies in the early 2000s, you know, like a new wave of extreme horror films that were very intense, very bloody, very gory. And this was one of the earlier examples. Um, 
Like it came out before films like Saul and Hostel. Usually those films get the credit, but this one was came out before that and was made a good bit before that. So it's no wonder it was pretty uh, fairly controversial when it first came out. Now I should stop and say we haven't introduced you guys yet. We've heard your voices, but uh, as always, we're here. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, Justin. And hi. And me. Hi, hear his voice. And me. Hi, me. Uh, that's Mia. <laughs> Good to see you, Mia. Mia, House of a Thousand Corpses. Uh, I assume you'd seen this one before. Yes, I have. Do you remember when? Did you see it when it was still new? Did you see it when you were younger? So I did not see it when it was in the movie theaters. It was during my kick after high school that I like rented all these horror movies just to check them out. Mm. And this was one of them. It was was on the Westwood Descent? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, this it was, was very weird. You put this movie on the list, didn't you? I forgot. Really I just assumed list. I yeah. put it on. No, it no, it was you. But I've seen this movie. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I've seen it before. It, there's always like an interesting moment where we'll get to it because I don't want to, you know, ruin anything for anybody. Spoiler alert! Spoiler <laughs> alert! So yeah. roughly, what year? What what year roughly? Ooh um just out of high school probably 2006 2007 2006 2007 okay and how did you feel about the movie when you first saw it that was really weird yeah weird still feel the same okay (laughs) opinion has not changed (laughs) well do you like it i guess it's okay it's not my favorite Mm. but it's okay that's fair that's fair so going on to Justin then, Justin, I think, I know you, this is probably one I showed you, right? Yeah, I think we would have watched this first, I'd watch this first together with you probably in uh, Watkinsville is my guess. Yeah, the, oh, shout out to Watkinsville. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the old house. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember uh, what you first thought about it? Um, my, I, when I was, so... When I was watching back through it, my what I'm going to call the betrayal of the clown, which in retrospect isn't really applicable, mm-hmm. but what I remember from this movie is the betrayal of the clown. I remember it like playing out, and then um, and then the end. Um, so yeah. that's my that's my memory, and that's yeah, that's all I really remember about about it, other than it's. Um, clearly fitting in the category of torture porn i mean there's <laughs> uh, yeah i mean it, it rob zombie is what you see so there is see? a lot of torture and there is a lot of nudity so okay so let me get into you guys might have to just get sit comfortably for a minute because i've got a lot to say about this movie before right. we really get into strapping it. in what's your history with this film oh thank you for that yeah. that's that up justin I'm um, <laughs> every time so this movie, this movie will always hold a special place for me. Let me say, I know that this is a divisive movie. This is Rob Zombie is a very divisive filmmaker in the horror community. And I've honestly kind of fallen out of following, uh, following his movies, but he was rare. This movie and him were very important to me when I was starting to get into film. So this movie came out when I was 12. Yeah. I had started watching, um, horror movies and at that point it was blockbuster video 
everybody what's a blockbuster jared what's a blockbuster well blockbuster um there were video rental stores and again i know a lot of people hate blockbuster who are a little older than me because blockbuster kind of killed the mom and pop stores but for me blockbuster video is very nostalgic you know mom was kind enough to take me there once a weekend rent a video game you play it all weekend then get a next one and then slowly i transitioned into horror movies and at that time, I discovered mostly a lot of crap, like a lot of full moon stuff, like uh, Prison of the Dead and Hill Asylum. Those are movies I'm sure not a lot of people have seen. But no, then one day there was House of a Thousand Corpses. And so kind of a title that catches your name. I took it home and watched it. And it was one of the best experiences I've ever had watching a movie. So it was we're up in the attic, Justin, where we've talked before how we all kind of moved around the house. Uh, you know, you'd leave and then I'd take over. So uh, it's late at night watching this movie called House of a Thousand Corpses. And there's a storm going on outside. So at one point during the movie, the power like shuts off. So that's cool. And uh, yeah, the atmosphere was just right. And I had never seen anything like this film. Keep in mind, I may have been... 12 when i first saw it i was probably early 13 because it probably took a little while to get into the uh blockbuster and for me to discover it but yeah i had never seen anything like it and i haven't seen too many things like it still to this day but rob zombie had a big influence on me at that time you know he had uh do you guys remember the twisted metal video games justin i think you were into yes yeah we played that on playstation yeah he had uh, the song uh, Super Beast was on one of the Twisted Metal games. And uh, so I got really big into Rob Zombie. And it's, it's impossible for me to review this movie uh, without nostalgia. So even if it completely sucks, I wouldn't be able to tell you because I saw it when I was 12 and it had a big impact on me. So uh, I, I still really love it. I think, how would you guys describe this movie? Oh my goodness. First of all, how'd you get Valerie to rent that for you? <laughs> I, you know, that goes through my mind a lot. So uh, Sometimes we're going to have to, we're just going to phone my man and be like, okay, what happened here? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I also give her credit. We'll talk about this one day, but the first horror movie I ever saw in theaters, also the first horror movie, uh, the first Red R movie I saw in theaters was Freddy versus Jason. And she went with me to see that movie. Mm-hmm. I I assume she just didn't know what she was getting into. <laughs> I think that's right. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's right. She was just being but, supportive. Um, she was being a supportive mom. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, go moms. Hell yeah, go okay. moms. <laughs> I only remember her telling me I couldn't rent a movie one time where she saw something in the description she didn't like. But I think <laughs> you know, she just realized, um, okay, well, he's almost 13. If that's the age where kids are going to, if you let them or you don't let them, they're still going to do it. You know, they'll be sneaky if you don't. So maybe she was smart enough to realize that. But uh, anyway, so House of Thousand Corpses. Yeah. And this was a big movie for me and my friends. Um, You know, it's one of those films we used to always quote all the time. We'll get into that. But all right, we've rambled enough. So let's get in on the movie to the opening. So, well, first off, I want to say, we were talking about how to describe the movie. I would say it's kind of like, now I've never done LSD, <laughs> yeah. but would assume yeah. 
um, that this movie is kind of like going to a scary haunted house after taking a lot of bad LSD. Is that fair? Mm. Yeah, never taken LSD. Yeah, it takes a really dark. It's really dark. Mm-hmm. The whole the whole vibe is dark. There's no heroes. Yeah. So try to put yourselves back into the time period when this movie came out. Uh, horror movies have been pretty tame for a long time. You know, we just have mostly ghost movies. Um, there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of nudity or extreme gore at that time in films. So try to keep that in mind as we get into this movie. You know, after everything that's come, people this movie probably doesn't have as much shock power, but it was really something at that time. So, all right. Well, all of our movies are about Halloween in some way, and this movie starts on Halloween Eve. So, with a TV horror host um, who tells us he'll be running an all-night Halloween marathon. And then we see a commercial for Captain Spaulding's Museum of Monsters and Madman, which is really just a gas station slash tourist trap. But it has a lot of really cool freak show type stuff inside and a murder ride, which we'll get to in a second. So then we go to the actual museum where Captain Spaulding is playing uh, or talking to an employee of his when two men, armed men, run inside to come and rob him. So this is where you'll probably uh, fall in love. I know a lot of people love Captain Spaulding. You'll fall in love with him here because we see that he isn't just like just a weirdo. Um, He's a legitimate badass basically so as this guy is putting a gun in his face he's just insulting him (laughs) what does he say i'm gonna count to three or ten then i'm gonna shoot you in the face he goes one fuck your mother two (laughs) fuck your sister (laughs) and the guy with the gun just like what am i gonna do i'm gonna have to actually shoot this guy um but when he seems like he's actually going to shoot him Another one of his employees that you haven't seen it to this point runs in with an axe and a giant clown mask and kills both of them. Okay, so um, I want to talk about Captain Spaulding here in a second. But first, let's talk about this, or rather the actor. But first, what do you guys think of this scene after that little summary? Very intense first scene. It's a good opening. Yeah. I mean, it, it uh, definitely alludes to the type of movie that's coming. <laughs> and Captain Spaulding's great. I mean, Captain Spaulding is the, is the most memorable character, in my personal opinion of this. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's a nice introduction to him. And you have, I believe, Captain Spaulding is played by Sid Haig. Is that right? Who? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So we can go ahead with, and... Right? Yeah, I want to talk about the scene a little bit more, but um, we'll get to Sid Hague in a moment because I want to do that justice. But uh, I think this scene really sets the tone mm-hmm. because first off, when it's just Captain Spaulding and his, his little employee there, it's gross, right? Just everything about it is gross. They're having a gross conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, That's the right they word look this gross. Movie. This whole movie mm-hmm. is gross. That's the right yeah. term, gross. So like you said, it sets the tone very well. Um, And Captain Spaulding is like an old, overweight, bald man with a beard wearing clown makeup. And um, yeah, he goes from being kind of funny and gross to being super intense very quickly when those guys break in. And he has zero fear for the man with a gun in his face. And the criminals are kind of, they get flustered and they're doing a bad job and they end up getting killed. Many better criminals. Yeah. 
I mean, I suppose they would be fine in most places. You just don't go after Captain Spaulding because he has no fear. <laughs> if you get a chance, if you like Captain Spaulding, try to get a copy of the DVD, the original DVD release, because there's they did extra stuff with Sid Hay, Captain Spaulding, for the, uh, the DVD menu, and sure. he'll sit there and talk to you. What's a DVD? I feel like we have this this exact conversation every single episode. So Only when you throw out DVD, it's like throwing out VHS. It's 2021. You got to give people some reference. I think people know what a DVD is. Um, no. But if you get a chance, everybody, find the DVD. It's really fun. That's what I'm getting to um, with extra stuff with Sid Haig. So let's get to Sid Haig. He passed away uh, a year or two ago now. I guess it's been a couple years now. And he plays Captain Spaulding here. He's one of the best characters in the movie. A lot of people really uh, loved him. He had a long history in, in film movies going back to the 60s, I think. He was in Spider Baby very famously, and he was in a lot of stuff throughout the years. But this, this film really was a, a resurgence for him. Um, Rob Zombie was really great to find actors uh, genre actors, some of them who had kind of was over the uh, not really in, you know, in Hollywood anymore and giving them a little career boost. So, yeah, he's great in this movie. And I actually I'll tell a moment. Um, I met him shortly before he died. I went to a convention. I think it was maybe Monsterama. Um, but he was there and I went to meet him and I was really shocked to see how rough he looked. You know, he looked because in this movie, these movies, he's full of energy. You know, he's very loud. Uh, and then to meet him in person, he seemed very, very tired. He spoke very slowly and quietly. And then it was really just a few months later uh, that he passed away. So in retrospect, I didn't know at the time. He was just probably very sick at that point. But uh, he's also so old. he was great. Hmm? He was also old. He was he 80 was, when he died. I mean, yeah. He was very old. So, yeah, that's uh, rest in peace, Sid Haig. You were great in this movie. Um, All right. And he was a nice person, too. He was very nice to me. So um, then we meet, I have in the outline here, that this is the time where we have the introduction of the main characters. But really, they're not the main characters here, the kids we meet. They're, I think, the villains. This is one of those movies where the villains are the really the main characters. But I guess... The same people. I'm so excited Dwight is in this movie. You have no idea. Oh, yeah. We're so calling go ahead. anything else, but we're calling him Dwight. I think there's, he has another name in this movie, but he has to be Dwight, right? Well, there's two boys. There's Jerry and there's Bill. And uh, which one is he again? He's Bill. So, yeah. He's Bill. Bill's the one with glasses who's a little more yes. straight. That's oh. Dwight. Yeah. yeah. That is that is Dwight. So anyways, yeah, he's in this movie, everybody. A decent contrast between him and his friend Bill. And Bill is sort of like, I don't know, kind of like Jack Black is who he think, makes me think of. Mm-hmm. He's just kind of kind of wild and crazy. But anyway, so it's Jerry and Bill and then their girlfriends, Mary and Denise. So they stop at Captain Spaulding's to get gas. And first of all, it's funny because as they pull up, Spaulding is still like kind of pushing away the mop bucket that is full of blood from the criminals they killed earlier. Um, 
anyways, the boys fall in love with the place because they're, this is almost, this doesn't really even matter in the movie, but they're writing a book on roadside attractions that you find throughout the country, which is kind of a cool idea. But anyways, they go on, they go on the murder ride. Okay. So let's turn it over to Mia. Mia, tell us about the, uh, the murder ride, Captain Spaulding's murder ride. And what, what's that like? <laughs> so Captain Spaulding's murder ride is just a cart that they're pushing through a sort of haunted house slash serial killer museum where they, where it's led by Captain Spaulding. And he tells them all about the different serial killers and ends with the local legend, Dr. Satan. So he's a mad surgeon who worked with a mental institution and performed brain surgeries on patients and created an army. So he was later hanged, but his body disappeared and was never recovered. Dun, dun, dun. There you go. Yes, I've been. Uh, that, that's, that's the one. Okay, guys, one <laughs> one for this episode. And um, <laughs> each got one. Um, your first one of the of the show of the season of series, series. show series. Show. Yes, but anyway, so what did you guys? That's going to be my cat's phrase for this episode. But anyways, <laughs> so what did you guys think about the murder ride? I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was, it <laughs> yeah, was pretty cool. It's nice and creepy. Yeah, well, yeah. I think yeah, I think Six Flag Six Flag should up their game. Six Flag should up their game. Yeah, there's no cart pushed by some weird old pervert. Um, so it's uh, pretty cool. They have the, um, yeah, there's like a little history lesson about actual those are real serial killers in case anyone didn't know and there's like animatronics things that like pop up out of you uh pop up out of you pop up out to you that's a, that's alien a different movie where things pop out of you well they do they do talk about ed gain don't they I, that's what i was just gonna say yeah which is the texas chainsaw massacre inspiration, inspiration. right mm-hmm. yeah ed gain uh albert fish um a couple of others maybe Dom. but uh, I mean, I'll say one thing about zombie. I know some people, usually if people criticize zombie, they don't like his. Uh, they think the dialogue's over the top or the stories aren't good or things like that. But I think his direction is actually, the directing is actually pretty good. You know, I mean, the the style of filmmaking he has here really does keep you off balance. It's It's very jarring. But anyways, like you were saying, we learn about Dr. Satan, who is... Um, yeah, you said it. He, he was that may like, be an uh, example of being over the top, <laughs> Doctor Satan. <laughs> oh well, <laughs> I don't know. If you look at the history of serial killers, the media always gives them these really crazy nicknames. So I well, think he's more evil than Satan. I mean, I mean, if we're, if the criticism is over the top, I feel like Doctor Satan is one. <laughs> one yeah. Boy, that might. I mean, we're gonna really gonna give Satan a doctor title. Okay. <laughs> well, I think people when I when I meant by over the top is usually his dialogue is just you know people have to everybody's a super sleaze ball and they have to be you know swearing every other word. Yeah. Well, anyways, that's his name, Doctor Satan. <laughs> so he was. I think it's a cool story. I, I wish we got more of Doctor Satan. He's like a crazy um, surgeon. It works in a mental hospital and he does surgeries on people's brains to try and create slaves. But anyway, so after that, Denise, she calls <laughs> her dad to tell them that they will be late coming home. And Jerry sort of like argues with Spalding. Um, 
you know, give us, we want to know where, um, where he was hanging. Show us where they hung him at. At this point, Kevin Spalding's like, yeah, you know, this is all just kind of, it's all just kind of bullshit kid, but fine. So here's how you get to where the place is supposedly at. Now on the way there, they pick up a hitchhiker and uh, the hitchhiker, her name is baby. She's just standing in the rain. She is played by Sherry Moon Zombie, who is Rob Zombie's wife. And all right, so Mia, I'll give you, uh, let you take over first here. What do you think of Baby in this movie? She's very interesting. Uh, she's got her like a really bubbly, hippie kind of style personality that kind of like reins them in and flirts with the guys and annoys the girls. Um, but she, she's like a good, uh, distraction because you wouldn't think she would be crazy well i guess why well, I, I guess a little bit you could pick up a little bit on it but. well you wouldn't think she'd be the kind of crazy she's revealed to be and right. she is in some ways the craziest of them all i don't know otis well we'll get to otis but uh yeah she's just like she's, otis takes the cake i don't know this isn't it <laughs> otis takes the cake yeah She's the one who kind of lures them in, basically. And uh, so she says, oh, I can take you to where the tree is. Um, but on the way there, someone out in the woods uh, shoots out their tire. But it's so loud, they think they just have a flat tire, basically. And then she says, well, we can just, we can just walk to my house from here. Uh, my brother has a tow truck. All right. Now, there's a few things I want to talk about at this point. Um, first off. What it's hard to talk about in a podcast is there's a lot of weird things that are just edited in, edited into the movie, um, usually between scenes or even like in the middle of a scene, we get like quick cuts to completely different things. You guys, can you think of any examples or how to describe that? Uh, the whole movie kind of thing where it's like, it's like a throw to like found footage of like people who were tortured and killed. <laughs> yeah. And that's what it is. And then you like piece together that the found footage that's kind of, it's kind of played kind of grainy and kind of cuts in and like a, yeah, like a found footage way. It is the characters that you're looking at and uh baby in particular shows up in these pretty often in kind of a, exaggerated uh, uh malicious way i guess mm -hmm. so one thing we'll see um well some of it's completely random stuff that doesn't really make much sense we'll get to that later but yeah you find out in case you didn't suspect that she's dangerous we get these quick cuts to her doing terrible things basically and um some of that stuff is really probably the most disturbing parts of the movie some of the stuff that you briefly see you know and all that was pretty much just shot uh i think in rob zombie's basement he would just invite the actors over and they would just film weird stuff on low quality cameras to edit into the movie and a lot of that was inspired by uh charles manson apparently they made a lot of whole movie type stuff where they film things so that's what inspired this but it's very, I don't know, it's very jarring because you're watching like a traditional, not really traditional, but you're a normal cinematography. And then suddenly you're watching grainy footage of something completely different. Uh, 
what else? So we, le- we learn a lot of stuff. You have to pay attention to these, these moments. What else do we learn? Um, uh, there's a thing about the missing uh, cheerleaders from the town, too, that crops up, right? Yeah, it's established that there's this whole like group of like four or five uh, cheerleaders who just disappeared. So I think we probably can figure out pretty quickly what happened to them. And yeah, some of it is just random old horror movies, like one of the uh, the old Wolfman movies. There's scenes from that for no reason. So yeah, that's what helps give the movie kind of its um, its psychedelic feel. You know, you're constantly going into weird stuff like that. But uh, yeah, so we learned very quickly that Baby is not to be trusted. And I also want to add that there was a lot of this movie that was cut out to get to an R and a lot of it was uh, lost. So I really, it would be so cool if we could find the original cut of this movie and see what else they took out. Um, but anyway, so that's, that's baby. Um, so Bill goes off to the house with her and she begins to like really flirt with him, very obviously coming on to him. And then we also get, we briefly cut to Otis. Um, <laughs> all right, Justin, you already discussed Otis. So tell us about Otis. It's Manson. It's Charles Manson. <laughs> Basically. Uh, but blonde. And yeah. an albino, right? Isn't he yeah, actually? Oh, I didn't catch that. Um, <laughs> but he's, um, yeah, he's the ringleader. He's the, he's the brains of the evil of the operation. He's the alpha. Um, and uh i mean if you're looking for a representation of evil in the stand-in for the movie it's otis i mean otis is the otis is the true cognizant evil character of the film Mm -hmm. and he is crazy but he's crazy in kind of a different way like so what i love about his character is um he goes on these first off he's played by bill bill mosley who is another kind of beloved actor in the genre but uh this guy goes on a a crazy psycho rant i think better than anyone (laughs) he just goes on these long rants and you have no idea what he's talking about but it sounds really cool uh he'll be talking about mickey mouse all of a sudden and then he'll be talking about you know how he sees himself as some sort of artist who's fighting against society or something it's hard to understand and he's trying it's like he's trying to make his victims understand him and what he's doing but he just can't um yeah he's great and i guess we can talk about here that one criticism of this movie and i think it's very valid is that uh it's heavily heavily inspired by texas chainsaw massacre and we've already seen a few things one um the hitchhiker scene that's from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You pick up somebody first and they let you know that things are kind of off. And Bill Mosley played Chop Chop Top in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, a role that's fairly similar to this one. Uh, the whole setup of a crazy hillbilly family in the middle of nowhere. There's a dinner scene or a dinner scene later. So that there's a lot, a lot in this movie that's heavily inspired by texas chainsaw massacre so uh i've always thought of this movie as like texas chainsaw massacre but more colorful <laughs> which is one thing i like about the movie it's a very colorful film cool. um yeah but anyways he's uh so yeah we we meet him and he's in the house 
ranting at a group of girls. He is tied up. We also see Rufus, uh, who's sort of like the muscle of the family, I guess. Rufus's baby's brother. Uh, and we realize he's the same man who shot out their tire. Uh, but he comes and he tows the rest of them to the house where they meet Mother Firefly. Oh, I didn't say the family name is Firefly. Um, and she is played by Karen Black, who, again, another actress who had a long career before uh, Rob Zombie said, hey, come be in my movie. I remember you. Uh, she's best known to me as the actress from Trilogy of Terror, which was a made-for-TV movie, I think, in uh, sometime in the 70s. Um, she is, it's never said explicitly, but I guess she's supposed to be like an old prostitute. She's super flirty. She's dressed really crazy. She's got a lot of makeup on. I don't know. That's just how I saw her character as like just kind of an aging prostitute kind of character. And she really comes on to Bill. Um <laughs> And she seems to really like Bill until she realizes that he's making fun of her, basically, um, which makes her kind of annoyed. And she's also annoyed at the, the girls because the girls, the family is all excited for Halloween. They're talking about all the things they're going to do. And the girls are kind of like, eh, we're kind of too old for the Halloween thing. But um, because there's no phone in the house, and Rufus went off to find a new tire and he's going to be gone for a few hours. They basically have no choice but to stay at the house and participate in the family's Halloween celebrations, starting with dinner. Yes, as I mentioned earlier, it's kind of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There's a dinner scene in there where we get all the crazy people together and see them interacting. So who do we meet first? We meet Tiny. Okay, Justin, tell us about Tiny. Tiny? Well... It's a play on words. He's not tiny. That's what I know about tiny. He thanks, Justin. So, anyways, me. No, sorry, go on. <laughs> He's about seven feet tall, and it's all kind of um, deformed, and we don't know why at first. And then he has a mask. He also has a, he has a mask covering his face. And we find out that he has a whole backstory as mother let us lets us know that the father went nuts and tried to burn the house down while Tiny was inside. And that left Tiny looking like the deformed seven-foot monster he has become. Mm -hmm. And um, that's when I know about Tiny. He's also very strong. Yeah. He's, uh, he's sort of like... He's sort of the leather face in this, this, this film. Although whereas Leatherface was very violent uh, compared to the rest of the family, Tiny is not very violent. You know, he seems to have kind of a uh, childlike mind and he just kind of does what he, what he's told. But yeah, like you said, he's legitimately, I think the actor is seven foot six or something. Yeah. Uh, he's a very large, large man. And uh, yeah, so his, he's also wearing, again, kind of like Leatherface, a mask that uh, looks like it could be human skin. We're, we're not sure. Um, yeah, so he's horribly burnt for one, uh, and he's pretty much deaf. So also, I don't know if you guys caught this. Um, the first time or two I watched the movie, I did not catch, on, catch it. But Earl, who burnt Tiny, is Mother's 
husband or was her husband. It's not very clear. That's Dr. Satan. Oh, I don't. Did you guys catch that watching the movie? I that. Yeah, uh, I think it takes a couple of watches because um, it's really only given away because there's one of those brief trippy edits where you see Earl and it's the same Dr. Satan that you see later. Mm. So uh, Earl. Yeah, because that was one of the when I first saw the first few times I saw this movie, I'm like, how does Dr. Satan really play into all this? Yeah, it's her husband. So, which, um, yeah, the relationship of all these characters, it's kind of hard to understand at first, but, um, oh yeah, we also meet grandpa and grandpa, I think originally he had more to do. He doesn't really have that much to do in this movie. He's just sort of like a, a gross old man. (laughs) That's it for him. He's not very intimidating compared to the other characters, but yeah, we meet grandpa and dinner starts. And Bill, who um, Bill decides to ask Mother Firefly if she knows anything about Dr. Satan. And then there's like these awkward glances between her and Grandpa. And she kind of starts to mutter, basically, you know. But then Otis walk, walks in and like everyone kind of makes a big deal that I guess Otis is kind of solitary. He doesn't show up that much. But anyways... More important than Otis coming in is what he's carrying with him. <laughs> Mia, what was that that he had? What did he bring to dinner with him? Um, I think it's a pres- dead baby preserved in a jar. Is that correct? <laughs> did Mia just make a dead baby joke? I did not make. Did a you make a dead baby, baby joke? I think it is. Yeah, uh, if you look carefully, it's um, it looks like a dead baby in a jar. <laughs> uh like in formaldehyde Dark. yeah there's a lot of weird stuff you know you see in the background stuff like that and uh and if you notice mother calls it a name mm-hmm. so it's implied that it's her baby oh. yeah yeah so that's gross um but anyways basically the dinner scene just sets to get everybody together you see grandpa's gross um and then it's showtime, and Mia will let you keep going. Um, tell us about this. Uh, they put on a show, basically, a Halloween Eve show for their guest, and there's two acts. Do you want to tell us about the acts we get to see? Sure. So first, we start off with Grandpa, who does a stand-up act, and then Baby does a musical act. But... Um, but then she suddenly sits on Bill's lap and sings to him and that pisses off his girlfriend who shoves her off and and so baby pulls a knife on her and then Rufus comes back and says that the car is ready and then the group leaves but before they get that far they are attacked by Otis and Tiny in Scarecrow cross and costume so you do first see them kind of like hanging out on the post and so you think they're scarecrows but then you know they go to town on the car really interesting thing mm, right but you get a little bit ahead of me there <laughs> uh let's go back to what did you think of the actual acts uh we don't see i mean grandpa i guess he's supposed to be doing stand-up but it's really just him saying gross stuff i don't know what it, what it before we get to where everything goes wrong what did you guys think about their their little performances well 
it's like a dark surreal twist on normal things so grandpa <laughs> doing like a stand-up act it's like a normal comedic act thing but he's doing it weird and wrong and then babies being whatever baby's supposed to be i mean right yeah, well she's that. dressed up um i mean her act is there's not too much to say about grandpa it's just like rapid cuts of him saying gross things basically yeah. but with baby um I don't know. I guess she's, it's part of her character is that she loves old time Hollywood and she's dressed up like, um, is it Betty Boop she's dressed up as? Yes. I'm not sure. But she has this very beautiful costume on. She has makeup on. It's a little over the top and she's walking around. They really went all out. I mean, they've got lights and they've got, uh, (laughs) they, they, they've got everything here. And she's lip syncing to an old song. And the boys are kind of entranced with her, which is reasonable. Um, until, like you said, she sits on Bill's lap, who she's already shown a lot of interest in. And is very, um, very touchy-feely with him. Until, like you said, Mary shoves her off and baby pulls the knife. So... What do you guys think here? I mean, up until this point, there hasn't been anything violent towards the group, really. So uh, just kind of a question for discussion here. Do you guys think that if they hadn't pissed the family off, if they had just played along, would they have been allowed to survive? No. Yeah, definitely no. not. Yeah. Definitely not. No, they, they would be tortured as well. I think this like they love doing that they love messing with them and then just torturing them and adding them to their like attractions Mm -hmm. well i mean we put in spoiler alerts right i mean so spoiler alert spoiler alert Uh, oh yeah sure (laughs) what comes later i mean they're just harvesting humans Mm -hmm. and dr satan wants to create an army you find more evidence of this later i think they were just they're just fucked i mean they don't have any once they stopped and interacted with our dear friends, uh, Captain Spectacular. Captain Spalding. Spalding. <laughs> Captain Spalding. I think they were just done. I don't. I don't think it mattered what they did. Um, so, yeah. What do you think? Um. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the true answer. But part of me has always thought that maybe, um, uh, maybe they could have survived if it wasn't for them pissing off the family those few times because for one the family already had the cheerleaders so they had already gone out and captured their little group of people and uh also they seem to legitimately like the girls the mother and baby seem to legitimately like the boys at first like they're actually kind of in their own perverted creepy way they're kind of friendly to them and there's also a moment there where remember when baby pulls her knife mother stops her and he's just like no no i told you um but then they go into killing mode so i don't know yeah i mean i think obviously they were brought there on purpose you know they had baby set out but i've always kind of watched the scene thinking that maybe the family hasn't made up their mind yet what they're going to do but uh yeah anyways in this movie there's no chance there there's no chance that they're going to survive especially after what happens next and i love the scene where um they go, so they stop to try and open the gate, 
And then there's all these weird looking scarecrow kind of things. And two of them come to life, but it's actually Otis and Tiny. And then they just attack them in the rain and beat the hell out of them. It's pretty intense. But um, all right. So now the movie, any kind of niceness that the family have portrayed, legitimate or not, is completely dropped from this point on out. <laughs> um the next morning, Denise, remember Denise's father, she had called him. He calls the police because she never came home, but he tells the police where they, they were last, Captain Spaulding's. Um, and then Denise comes to, she's tied to a chair with a gag in her mouth, which happens to basically everybody in this movie. Everyone just wakes up tied up to something. Um, Otis comes in. And here we really see how completely insane he is. He gives one of his rants and he sees himself as kind of, we mentioned this earlier. He sees himself as kind of like an artist. Um, He's trying to express himself and she's asking him where Bill is. And we get another one of those found footage kind of things where it's Otis and baby torturing Bill to brick house. Mm -hmm. You guys know this one. She's a brick. House. Yeah, it's very weird. But anyways, then he shows her to Bill. And Justin, you get to tell us what has happened to Bill. What did they do to Bill? (sighs) Poor Bill. I mean, I like Dwight. Um, And um, no one wants to go from having legs to being a merman. (laughs) <laughs> and uh that's what happens to him they uh he becomes uh sewn together as like an exotic human slash fish thing that you might find in R- ripley's believe it or not in the early 2000s <laughs> um he's kind of sewn together with um with a mermaid tail and um that's the end of uh bill or um Poor Dwight. I mean, yeah, he is made into fish boy. I think is what they call him. Uh, yeah, you just see him, and he's as, like you summed it up pretty well there. The bottom half of his body has been replaced, so he looks kind of like a merman. <laughs> it's really fucked up. It's one of those things again. When I first saw this movie, I'm like, holy shit! I've never seen anybody turned into a half fish thing. <laughs> um. And that's Bill, and he's gone, um, which maybe yeah. he may have been lucky because everyone else has a lot more time to go. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so, yeah, then we have two police officer, and I like these characters. We don't have too much time to talk about them, but you've got one kind of more straight-laced officer, and then you've got the younger cop who's sort of like arrogant. They're kind of fun. Um, but they, these two cops, they go and talk to Spalding and it's just more, more fun Spalding time because, uh, at first he's in the background, like whoever's out there better shut the hell up. But it's not like, Ooh, hello, police officers. <laughs> what can I do for you today? Um, but then they eventually piss him off by that one guy says he hates clowns and the look on Spalding's face when he hears that is hilarious. You don't like clowns, but they basically threaten him a little bit. So he's um, 
but to his credit, he's he is not telling any lies to these people. He tells them exactly what we've seen, right? Yeah, I saw the kids. They were doing this. They were going out. I told them how to get there, uh, and he gives them the same map to go that the kids went on. But after that little break with Spalding, we go to back to Mary. See what happens to her. Okay, this one's weird because it starts off with this sort of nightmare scene. Another one of those random clips that don't make any sense, and it's very distorted with uh, the colors and the filters they put on the film. Something about a skunk ape. I don't know. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, she wakes up and she is tied to a bed um, and they've dressed her up. I guess she's like baby's victim. They've put her in like to make her look like a human doll, mm-hmm. I guess was the goal there. They've got her in like a weird dress and makeup on her face. Um but baby doesn't come first. First, it's Tiny, who is Tiny is eating slop out of a dog bowl or oh, something. Or gross. Cereal. It looks like cereal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's actually cereal. It looks the way he's eating it. It looks like slop, though. Oh, did you catch what he what the cereal was called? No, I didn't. Agatha Krispies. I like that. Yeah, that's a funny touch there, Agatha Krispies. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> Count Chocula, Frankenberry, and Agatha Krispies. But um, the weird part is he just kind of sits down with her and she's like begging him to let her go. And he actually does. He like takes off the ropes and she gets up to run. But she's caught by Otis, who um, is like, where the hell do you think you're going? And he throws her into a cage. Mm-hmm. And then there's people who come are also in the cage and attack her. Okay, so there's a lot to talk about here. Um, first, did you guys like the little moment, little play between Otis and Tiny there, where Otis is annoyed at Tiny? I did. <laughs> That's great. He, what does he Evil do? characters he, and their humanizing characteristics. Yeah, it's just a fun little moment where. Otis looks at Tiny like, what the hell? You just let her go? And Tiny just shrugs. Like, yeah, she asked me to let her go, so I let her go. (laughs) Um, And then we're back to Mary. So, okay, the skunk gate thing. Yeah, it makes no sense, right? This is why this movie is so um, trippy because suddenly, like, who are these people? What's going on? Apparently, the whole skunk gate thing was there was going to be more of it to the movie but it all ended up getting cut out. So instead we just have this random scene where they're talking about a skunk ape assaulting some woman and then it never comes back up. So we're kind of like going from character to character, just having them wake up and see what horrible thing is going to happen to them. And now it's Jerry's turn. Okay. He is also tied up in a room when baby comes in. All right. So Mia, you can take it from here and tell us about uh, baby's little chat with Bill. Sure. So Baby asks him if, if she, he can guess her favorite movie star. And if he guesses it right, then he Jerry gets to leave. So he guesses Marilyn Monroe. That's a good guess. It is a good guess. but you It's know, a very good guess. Unfortunately, it is not correct. It's actually Betty Davis. So she starts to scalp him. And <laughs> it looks very painful. Yeah, this is weird. Um, Oof. Yeah, I mean, you see people getting like their heads cut off or shot or whatever. You don't see people like have their skin on their head pulled off too often mm-hmm. in movies. So, uh, yeah, that's what happens to him. But I guess later. Bye, Jerry. 
Yeah. Well, no, because he comes back. Oh, he sticks around. Um, <laughs> apparently, she just doesn't go that far because next time we see him, he still has his hair there. I guess she just pulled it back and got bored. But anyways, um, so back to the police officers. They um, so Rufus had towed away their car, and the police officers find the car. I guess he. And after they um, after they find the keys, they open the trunk of the car. And Justin, you want to tell us what they find in the trunk of the car? Well, I mean, I guess so. Uh, there's a cheerleader <laughs> given away by her cheerleader skirt, I suppose. And um... well, I think we only know. At this point, you don't know that it's a cheerleader. Yeah. You don't find out until they're talking about it later. You don't know who it is because she's completely naked. <laughs> well, she has trick or treat card into her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's that's what they find. Again, this is stuff you you might see someone dead in a horror movie, but you rarely see like a completely naked corpse, especially a naked corpse with like stuff cut into them. So pretty intense that they find in there. But anyways, we go back to Jerry, who, like I said, he's still alive somehow. Um, He's chained to a wall with Otis, like, throwing knives around him, you know, and they're just hanging out watching TV. Um, Again, it's a funny, uh, amidst all this horrible stuff, there's some, like, really black comedy. Uh, Another scene with Otis. It's Otis and Grandpa. Do you guys remember what they're watching? (laughs) Anyway, so they're just sitting around watching the Munsters, which is funny in and of itself. But uh, there's another great moment here where... They start to argue, and Otis is kind of belittling Grandpa, and Grandpa jumps up like he's going to fight him. But Otis, like, grabs a knife and says, don't start with me, Hugo. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, again, it's not angry. It's just Otis kind of – this Otis is very different from the Otis who, like, rants at people. He's just kind of like, hey, you calm down now. (laughs) So, anyways, Denise's father, Don, who's the one who called the cops, he's actually an ex-cop. And he goes along with the police officers uh, to the house. He gets invited along the call. So uh, Don and the younger, arrogant police officer, they go around back to check out what's going on behind the house while the older uh, officer stays up front to, he knocks on the front door and tries to talk to Mother Mother Firefly, who tries to get him to leave, but he kind of insists on coming in to ask her some questions. Um, and at first, well, <laughs> let's just go into, this goes into another weird little scene. It's like a musical moment. I mean, there's a lot of mm-hmm. musical stuff in this film, but, um, so we have Denise's father and the young cop, they find a shed out back that's closed up with a chain. They break open the chain and as they start to open the door, uh, everything kind of slows down and there's an old, very pretty country song called I Remember You. Uh, now, Justin, you want to tell us what they find inside the shed and what happens from there? Well, I mean, yes, uh, I'll take the reins. Uh, it's pretty dark. Um, I mean, the movie's been dark throughout, but this is um, a whole other level. Uh, you sort of see the extent to which the family is evil. Um so uh inside the shed it's uh 
there are a lot of naked and mutilated bodies and it is just a torture scene they're hung up on chains um they've already been kind of cut up um so you kind of see that you know you thought this was dark but they're they're like psychotic evil 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 (laughs) um people so you know that's going on in the shed um but you know you see that the family is pretty competent um in their killings despite their craziness so yeah because like when the police came mother sorry to interrupt you but mother i didn't mention this she goes and tells otis and they like go into action mode like they're prepared for this and otis is like okay well i'll go outside you go take care of the officer um yeah but um, mother shoots the one cop and Mm -hmm. then otis shoots denise's father and then that leaves the one guy right and he surrenders and he's stupid yeah (laughs) i mean you have yeah. a gun in your hand. Start shooting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it goes really dark, right? Because he surrenders. And, I mean, Otis is Otis. I mean, Otis is as evil as of a character as we've encountered in this dark film. And so it doesn't show it, but it's implied that once the officer surrenders and drops to his knees, Otis shoots him in the head. Um, and you're the... I think you see it right oh yeah they definitely show it yeah. yeah so what happens here is they um so yeah at first mother has charmed um the police officer like it seems like he's kind of um kind of thinking oh, okay well maybe these people are kind of crazy but she seems nice enough but then after they open the uh the, <laughs> the little barn doors, I guess. They try, they run off freaking out. They try to radio for him. But as soon as she hears what's coming through on the radio, she just shoots him in the head. <laughs> and then, like you said, Otis kills the one, uh, Denise's father. And then when the other cop sees her, sees him, he surrenders. But this is the shot. Do you remember? It's really kind of a weird shot because um, the music stops playing. And then they pull the camera up into the air very, very slowly. It's like a crane shot. And then after a really long period of silence, that's when Otis shoots him in the head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's um, yeah, it's all just a weird scene. It kind of reminds me a little bit of, uh, well, actually a Clockwork Orange, our last film, where there's this really pretty music put alongside really disturbing stuff. <laughs> but um. So yeah, all the help is dead. They're all dead. They're dead very quickly. (laughs) But now it is officially Halloween night. So somehow (laughs) Jerry, Denise, and Mary are all still alive and they're tied up. And Otis comes to torment them, basically. Um, Mia, do you remember what he's wearing when Otis comes down to talk to them? You don't remember? He's wearing. Um... Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. He's wearing Denise's <laughs> father's skin on his <laughs> yeah. face. Um, not just his face; like he's actually wearing a full the body whole... suit. 
Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, and he's like, yeah, just letting her know what's happening, basically. Oh and he's like, okay, well, you kids came around. You were looking for Dr. Satan. I'm going to take you to meet the man. But first, we got to go to the liquor store. Um, who is it? Baby and Rufus, they go to the liquor store. Did anybody catch the name of the liquor store? No. <laughs> so it's like a liquor store, and I think like a porn shop, too, or something. It's called Red Hot Pussy Liquor. Ah. Uh. Huh? Did it. Liquor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a funny little scene with uh, they just go and buy some booze and then they leave. But anyways, okay, so now we're getting into like the end of the movie. And I want to ask you, we covered Wicker Man. Does this about half of it, the stuff that happens above ground, does that remind you of the Wicker Man at all? In, in what way? Uh, well, I mean, they're like gleefully kind of going about ritual, like creating a ritual to kill people, because um, that's definitely what's going on. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, there's not there's a ritual and they're like leading these people. They're all in costumes like they put um, they put our three survivors into bunny costumes. And they're like leading them through the woods to this sort of giant structure and at the end, there's a burning. So I don't know. I'm not sure if that was intentional, but it really reminded me of uh, The Wicker Man, where they have this sort of Halloween uh, tradition, uh, tradition they're going to do. But like I said, so they're all in um, the three survivors. They're in rabbit costumes and they take them to a sort of it's like a giant well. I guess that's how you would describe it. And uh, with with some old machinery uh, attached to it. And instead of buckets, there's very large coffins. And it's obviously we're going to put you in the coffins and put you down into the ground. Um, so Mary runs off, but she's pursued and sort of like tormented by Baby, who is reciting children's poems um, and ultimately stabs her to death. Then, so Jerry and Denise are put into the coffins and they're lowered into lowered into the ground right so a little bit of trivia here as they lowered them into the ground they also put in like a little lamp so they can see and there's a tape recorder playing some music or not music but could you guys which i'm going to tell you what it is but could you make out any of that it's very distorted like a deep distorted voice but could you make any of it out when you watch the movie no, I don't think so. No. Um, I was able to hear Bury Me in a Nameless Grave. If you listen carefully, you can hear that, which makes sense because they're being literally put into a nameless grave. Mm -hmm. But that is actually, um, it's distorted, but that's a real recording of Aleister Crowley reading his poem, which is called The Poet. And the line that you hear repeated is, uh, bury me in a nameless grave. I came from God, the world to save. And that's repeated over and over again, heavily distorted. And that's actually Aleister Crowley's voice. Um, you can find it on YouTube. I didn't kind of weird to think there's actual recordings of him, but yeah, he recorded himself reading his poetry. That's cool. Now, in case you didn't think the movie was weird enough, things go in a completely different direction, right? Um, 
there are, so they've been lowered down into this well. It's dark. There's water. And suddenly we have zombies. Um, yeah, zombies. zombies. Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, the guy's name is Rob Zombie, right? But uh, and I think that one zombie you see first was on the cover a lot of a lot of the promotional material. Um, they come out of the water just out of nowhere and they take Jerry. Now, when I first saw this movie, and actually probably a few times when I first saw it, I was completely baffled by this ending because it just goes in such a weird direction and suddenly it's almost supernatural, you know? But now it's obvious that this is supposed to be Dr. Satan's lair and these are his creations we're seeing. So, um, and while this is going on above ground, Otis has put on like black metal corpse paint (laughs) and he leads the group in their ritual burning of this giant pyre where he's put the, uh, the bodies on. So wicker man. Yeah, again, that's definitely Wicker Man. But um, anyways, back underground with Jerry gone, it's just Denise. And this to me is actually one of the creepiest parts of the whole movie. She's just like alone underground in the dark and these men kind of like come out of the shadows. And they, it looks like they're going to assault her or attack her, but really they just steal her bunny suit and leave. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's that's creepy. so now she has to travel through this underground passageway that's lined with decayed corpses. Um, this whole movie kind of came out as when Rob Zombie was working on a haunted house for Universal Studios. So you can kind of see where that comes into play here. You know, this is I love the the set design here. Um, just all these long decayed corpses and human bones on the wall. And then we go into another room where we see she opens some doors and she goes into a well, well lit room. And it's like Dr. Satan has recreated the mental hospital down there. Mm-hmm. He has all these brain dead patients and they're like just sitting on couches, watching static on television and drooling and stuff. Um, really weird imagery. But then we finally see, Dr. Satan, who we've been hearing about this whole movie. So, me, I'm going to give it to you. How would you describe Dr. Satan? I mean, I feel like if you're watching this movie, you need to pause it or rewind a few times to really get a good look at him. But how would you describe Dr. Satan, Mia? So, correct me if I'm wrong, but he had, like, he's a creepy old man with long hair. He looks albino y, kind of like um, Otis. Mm-hmm. but really like old and decrepit and he has some kind of respirator attached to him a machine connected to his arms and he's doing some really weird surgery on jerry who's strapped to the table with his house mm-hmm. completely open and he cuffs up blood and dies right in front of her yeah yeah so that's the end of jerry at first you're like oh jerry's still alive oh but he's being wow. surgery performed on him and then he dies but um, yeah, Dr. Satan, I, I don't know, Justin, what, what did you think about Dr. Satan when you saw him? Well, I, I mean, like you said, when, it, when you come across it the first time or two, it happened so kind of quickly and very surreal um, that it's really hard to process because of how it kind of jumps so quickly. Um, but he's a torture doctor um Mm -hmm. and he's old and part human part machine darth vader anyone 
yeah um, um so yeah i mean it's it's creepy it's like kind of the ultimate end to why i think that in this movie it didn't matter how they responded because dr satan was really kind of uh, the one kind of harvesting all the humans um, <laughs> when it comes down to it through this family. Uh, so yeah, it's really hard to catch it the first time though. I mean, it just, it, it cuts away too quickly. It's very surreal. It happens kind of in fast scene dream state kind of thing. So you really have to see it more than once or kind of watch it slowly or repeatedly to kind of catch on to, mm-hmm all the connections here yeah but this stuff is great really like i said watch it again or pause it a little bit see some of the set design and the character design here like you both said he he kind of makes me think of a vulture like he's really just the way his arms are held up and his face is kind of long and uh yeah he's, he's become like you said the darth vader reference was pretty good because he seems to be sort of like part like his life is sort of supported by the machinery. They're like holding up his arms and he's breathing something through a respirator. So, you know, this guy has kept himself alive. Um, I wonder if Rob Zombie watched a lot of House by the Cemetery because that uh, Lucio Fulci's film, he reminds me a lot of that character. But anyways, uh, and I also can't think of many things much more horrifying than having surgery done on you by a crazy person without you know anesthetics and stuff like that so yeah and when he's got again you have to watch carefully but he has jerry's brain not as he has his his scalp Mm -hmm. held open by clamps Uh so yeah pretty gross stuff but um yeah if that wasn't terrible enough for you uh after jerry dies we get to meet who this is this is the one who really made me think about darth vader one of dr satan's monsters comes in and this guy instead of just being like a you know a drooling brain dead guy he's sort of a i don't know how would you describe this thing that comes after her huh the muscle (laughs) yeah I would say he's kind of like, uh, he reminds me of a final boss in a Resident Evil game. He's just this really, really big, giant guy. He barely seems human anymore. Like Bane. He doesn't, huh? He reminds me of Bane. Like Bane. From, the, from um, Batman with Michael, it's Michael Keaton. No, it's, it's, is it Val Kilmer or Michael Keaton? I don't know, but they had like the silly Bane with, um, oh, Poison Oh, Ivy. yeah. Yeah, that was the, you're talking about the 90s one. Yes. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. Batman Forever, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what that reminds me of. That's a good comparison. Yeah. Now imagine if that Bane uh, had all his skin removed. <laughs> and <laughs> instead of his eyes, he had like machinery eyes that <laughs> see red. And he has just this gaping, just this gash where his mouth should be uh yeah he, he looks really intimidating and he's making this horrible noise you know too again like the darth vader stuff it, like from whatever he's breathing uh it's making a terrible noise but anyways he's scary yeah um and he chases her through through the tunnels okay and eventually he corners her 
And before he goes to the killer, he pulls off his mask and you can finally see his face. And there's like this pus dripping out of his mouth. He's disgusting. Um, but he comes after her with this axe and he basically hits one of the pillars uh, underground, causing, um, causing the tunnel to collapse on top of both of them. So, yeah. And then, then we cut to the next morning where Denise, poor Denise, she has somehow survived all of this and she crawls out from underneath the ground and she starts walking down the road. And who should arrive? Captain Spaulding. (laughs) Suddenly, hey, there's Captain Spaulding. Remember him? We've seen him a couple times throughout the movie. Um, And at first, he he seems like shocked to see her. And he's like, good Lord, kid. Everyone's been looking for you. What happened to you? And she's like, I need to go to a doctor. Okay, well, we'll get you to a doctor. But if you thought this movie was going to have a happy ending... Uh, you haven't been paying attention Um, because Mia, what happens next as we're taking her to the hospital? So he is taking her to go see a doctor. Um, She just doesn't know which one. So Otis sits up in the back seat, and the last thing we see her is with Dr. Satan and the sound of wheels. Yeah. So kind of a double twist there. Um, so first off, watching this scene again, she should have been able to see Otis, uh, <laughs> but we'll let that slide. She definitely should have been able to see Otis. Uh, but yeah, you for a second, you're thinking maybe, because um, Spalding, as freaky as he is, the only person he's killed or really even done anything bad to is the people who were robbing him. Mm-hmm. So, um, but here you see for sure, okay, he's definitely in on this whole scheme and uh yeah there's otis but you never want to see otis <laughs> um and then yeah she's the movie ends with her back with dr satan and she's basically uh where jerry was right mm-hmm. being experimented on and the end the end <laughs> the end all right <laughs> anything else you guys want to say about uh House of Thousand Corpses that we didn't get to? No, just uh, the very end part where she's getting out of the ground or coming out of the ground that reminds me of The Descent. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Shit is dark. That's what I know about this film. Shit is dark. Yeah, it's just a weird film. It's it's um, it's It's very gory, very intense subject matter but it's also kind of surreal and it's very colorful, you know, which is different from a lot of horror movies, um, you know, that just try and put everything in shadows. And I like this one because it does have, it's a really good Halloween movie because it's, it's, it's very, very colorful, very energetic month of October. Here we are. First one down, man. Mm Hmm. So I guess. Uh, have you guys seen any of the sequels? No. no. Neither of you have yes. seen uh, Devil's Rejects? I've seen Devil's Rejects. Yeah. Devil's Rejects. So um, we'll get to it's that one one day. It's a movie and mm-hmm. the heroes win. <laughs> right. Uh, it came out two years later and it's maybe Zombie's best film. I think it's a better film than this one, although I like this one better. 
Uh, it follows the characters again, but uh, it's just a completely different film. You know, they drop certain things like uh, Otis is no longer an albino in the sequel. You never hear about anything about Dr. Satan again, even though that was like the main part of this whole movie, which um, that's sad to me because Dr. Satan, and all that stuff underground is really cool and interesting. So I wish we could have seen more of him, but no, he's completely gone. So uh, it's like Zombie had another movie he wanted to make, but he just used the characters he already had. Anyway, it's a good movie, um, but yeah, again, it's it's maybe probably worse than this movie in terms of making you uncomfortable because it's more like realistic and gritty, you know. Um, but uh, and then just a couple of years ago in 2019, the another sequel called Three from Hell hmm. came out, and um, yeah, yep. yeah, I mean that one. Uh, I see it as kind of a um, case of too little, too late for many reasons. Uh, for one, Sid Haig was too sick, too old and sick at that point to really come back and play his character. Mm. So they basically had to write him out early in the film and bring in someone else to fill in his role. Mm. Um, and it's kind of all over the place. I don't know. If, if you like the first two movies, go ahead and see it. Figure out what you think about the movie yourself. But uh I wasn't crazy about it. Um, all right. Well, that is House of Thousand Corpses. All right, everybody. If you're uncomfortable Halloween. now, we're going to make things a little bit lighter next week. Halloween uh, Yes, we're going to Halloween Town, 1998, the Disney Channel movie. Um, don't want to say too much about that one, but Mia, have you? do you like this movie, I assume? I do. I thought this was her idea. Was it not her idea? No. Ooh, oh, man, sure. I would assume this was sure. her idea. Uh, I think it was me, but... Yeah. Um, you love this movie, though. I I don't love it. I mean, I, I enjoyed watching it. I'm excited this is, to watch it again. Yeah, Halloween Town. It's a fun little um, Disney Channel movie. Uh, I saw it when I was young. I liked it. It's still kind of a tradition for me to try and watch it every, um, every Halloween season. But, uh, yeah, so... Um, if you're not a fan of uh, uh, the, the torture porn stuff, next up we've got a Disney movie so we can all Disney. relax. Yeah. And um, all right, guys. Well, that's it. Anything else to say? No. Nope. No. Mm-mm. This was long. Awesome. Good night. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. Uh, we'll come back next week for Halloween Town. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye.